Hello, this is Graham Cook. Welcome to the Brilliant Perspectives podcast. Hi, Michael Becchio here from Brilliant Perspectives. Today's podcast is part one of a two-part message Graham gave titled, How God Uses Scripture, featured on Brilliant TV. It's a stunning revelation that the Word of God is not just written scriptures, but is also the person of Jesus, according to John 1.14. In this short message, you'll learn what it looks like to encounter the living Word, the potent prophecy of Scripture, and the power of the promises God has put in writing for you. Here's Graham. This session is called uh, The Prophecy of Scripture, or How God Uses Scripture. Remember that everything that God does is relational. Behind every word, behind every promise, command, and action is a passion to include us in the community of the Godhead. So his still primary purpose is, let's make man in our image. And by their relationship with us, they will become like us. So I love the fact that God God knows who you are, and he knows who you are becoming. And so he has a path laid out for us that's been predetermined in his own heart. When he looks at you, he wants you to know how you are known in heaven. And when you know how you're known in heaven, then you get to know how to walk on the earth, uh, not only in relationship with God, but also in relationship with the people around you. So he uses Scripture in that particular context. So he, he uses Scripture with us personally so that we can understand who we are in him and we understand how to be with the people that he set us amongst and how we need to operate with the people that he has called us to. From the very beginning then, God had us in mind. He'd settled upon us as the focus of his love. And if you want to look at scriptures like Ephesians 1, 3 to 6, and verses 9 to 11, and Romans 8, 29, 30, they talk about the predetermined purpose of God for us and how we can interact. And there's something really comforting for me to know that things that I'm doing, he thought of long before I was born. So he has a passion in his heart. He saw you before you were born, and we can actually prove that in a a few moments. He saw you before you were born. In fact, let's go there right now. It's in Luke chapter 1. Listen to this. It's in Luke 1, 11 to 17. So here's Zacharias, he's just finished his shift at the temple, right? And he's getting changed and everything, and suddenly the angel Gabriel is right there with him. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, this is Luke 1.11, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zacharias, For your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. So John's not even been born yet. He's not maybe not even a twinkle in his father's eye yet. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Then he goes on to tell him what John will be like. So before John was born, God saw him. 
There's just something fabulous about that to me. You know, that he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And what's fascinating is Gabriel Gabriel quotes the last two verses in the Old Testament from Malachi 4, 5, and 6 about that God before the great and wonderful day of the Lord, which is the appearing of Jesus on the earth the first time, that God will send a forerunner in the spirit and power and he will do this. So the angel quotes that old prophecy in this context because God is saying, the person who's about to become a, a part of your family, this is how they are known in heaven. Yeah. So God foreknows us, he foreknew us, and he has planned a path and a purpose for us. And it's fascinating to me is that... Um, Whenever I would prophesy over an individual, they, they would say, oh, that's my baptismal text. Or that was the verse that my grandfather gave my dad before I was born. You know, and this whole sense of I am foreknown. And, you know, <clears throat> so the pathway you're on has been known by God for a long time. That's why I think he's loving this time here because now he's able to say to all of us, all of us who are watching and listening, is that I planned for you to be in this place. I planned for you to take one huge step up into a whole new dimension of being in my son. That idea that God has planned Foundation 411, maybe since the foundation of the world. That there would be, we're going to take the world by storm, we're going to do it in a particular way, and this is what we're doing, and it's going to reverberate around the world, and I planned all that before those guys were even born. Before the technology was even in place, God planned it. And I believe, you know, when God plans something, he resources what he plans, so here's John. Here's John. Before he's born, his dad is getting a word about his unborn son. And God is saying, I know who your son is going to be. And he can look at every single one of us and he says to us, you know, from Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare, not your calamity. <clears throat> to give you a future and a sense of expectation. And so Jesus has the same thing happen to him. So he goes into his hometown church at Nazareth. And technically, in their system, you start reading the scripture this week where you left off last week. So the attendant gives him the scroll, and it, it says in Luke 4 that Jesus found the place. So he read out of sequence. Bad savior. So there's pieces of scroll all over the carpet, and the attendant's like having a fit, and Jesus is looking, looking, there it is, and he reads out from Isaiah 61. And so he reads these verses out. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, he handed it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of, <clears throat> the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he said to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What's he saying? This is how I'm known in heaven. This is what I'm here to do. This is how heaven sees me. And because they know me like this, they interact with me like that. This is how I'm known in heaven. God has granted our inheritance based upon his promises. And I call, when, when God gives us verses of scripture particularly, I call them um, our inheritance words. Have you ever had those moments where something has almost jumped out of the Bible and seemed to wrap itself around your face and your heart beats really fast and you know that you know that you know that God is actually talking to you? How many of us have had those moments? Oh, practically all of us. What do we do as good evangelicals? We wrap it up in a message and we give it away to somebody else. Yeah, because that's what we think the word is for. And of course it is, but that's its secondary purpose. The secondary purpose is that you have a message for somebody else. The primary purpose, remember primary purpose? Genesis 1.26, let's make man in our image. The primary purpose of God giving us scripture is that we would know who we are in his sight. And when you know how God sees you, you know automatically that you have favor in that context. All the favor, all the resourcing of God is going to come to you in that context. And so if you look up in a concordance, the first 20 verses about favor are <clears throat> all start with the same premise. If now I have found favor in your eyes, if I have favor in your sight. God gives you a specific word of scripture and he's like, he's looking at you and he's saying, see this scripture, it's yours. Everything in it belongs to you. And you have favor with me in the context of that inheritance. This is your inheritance. You have favor with me in that context. God always works from the whole to the particular and back again. So he's looking at the whole of creation and what he's doing. But he comes down to you as an individual and says, this is what I like about you. This is who you are. This is who I plan to be for you. And if you can plant your feet in this, I will open all of this to you. So when God gives you a personal word of scripture, it's the place where you stand. You know that everything in that scripture belongs to you and out of it will blossom the whole of your life and the whole of your ministry. Today, this word is fulfilled in your hearing. It was an inheritance word. John the Baptist had one, Jesus had one, we have them. It's called the prophecy of Scripture. And it's where, you know, in the dark ages, before uh, everyone had a Bible in their house, which didn't happen until Caxton invented the printing press in the 1700s, 
For a long time in my own country, we have a 2,000-year history in our own country or more, and most of the people were functional illiterates because the only people who had a copy of the Bible, and that was written in Latin, were the priesthood. And so most people, even if they had a Bible, couldn't read it anyway. And so they would give them what they called a rule of life. The priest would pray, they would think about a particular scripture, and they would give you a particular scripture, like, say, Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it would become your rule of life. So basically, you could live all of your life in that one scripture, memorize it and live it out, and if you live that verse to the full, everything would open up to you. Like we get saved on a fragment of the truth, remember? We can live on a fragment of the truth, yeah? And so that then morphed into baptismal verses. So what's fascinating to me is that when I was being baptized, <clears throat> I got baptized in a place that, where people didn't believe in the Holy Spirit, didn't believe in spiritual warfare or anything. And when I got baptized in that place, this is the baptismal verse they gave me, or if you like, this is my rule of life. And it's 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses, which is exactly what I've been doing for the past three days. So I'm the living embodiment, that is my rule of life, and it actually describes very clearly who I am and what I'm called to be and do. The fascinating thing to me about the Bible is it's, it's a book of encounters and experiences. It's the story of mankind's journey with God. It tells us how to know Him, how to walk with Him, how to understand His ways, how to live in His favor. And the language He uses with us is always prophetic because it's rooted in the eternity of his purpose for us that goes back to the foundation of the world. He foreknew us and he speaks to us from that prophetic dimension. And when he speaks to us prophetically through a prophet, he lays down a promise marker in his word that we can build our lives upon as we are led by the Spirit. It becomes our inheritance word also that we confess, we declare, we proclaim in the same way that Jesus and John did. I first had an encounter with this in 1991. When in my morning devotional time with the Lord, he just said to me, Graham, I want you to read Psalm 91 until I tell you to stop. So I said, what, you mean all day? He said, no, I was thinking for the next six months. Seriously? Just Psalm 91. I don't want you to read anything else in the Bible except Psalm 91. In fact, I don't want you to read any other book, period. I just want you to read Psalm 91. In fact, I don't want you to read a magazine or a newspaper. I just want you to read one thing, Psalm 91, and I want you to study it for all that I am worth. So I began to read it, began to study it, and let me read it out to you, yeah? Because I don't know how many times in the last 20 years or more, 22 years or so, that God has said to me, Gray, would you read Psalm 91 to me? 
And I said, okay, so after about the 50th time, I'm saying, so dad, when I'm reading, when I'm reading it to you, what are you doing? He said, I've got my eyes closed and I'm thinking about you. Really? Yeah. Read it to me. This is Psalm 91. This is one of my inheritance words. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, you're my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. And his faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. That makes me the best person in the world to stand next to in a fight. Right there. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall, will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. <clears throat> For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up with their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Now that is an inheritance word. Everything in that word belongs to me. That's how inheritance words work. Everything in that scripture is mine. Everything. There are so many prophetic promises in this passage that have shaped my life and my ministry. There are four specific areas of encounter that, with God that I have had through this passage, and they are still ongoing. First of all, he led me into a, a place where I could examine and practice intimacy with him to live in the secret place, in the shadow of the Almighty. Secondly, he has delivered me from fear in warfare and made me a warrior in the context of battle. Turned me from someone who was scared to fight to someone who loves the fight. I can't tell you how much I love this fight that I'm in. He's empowered me to stand up during all kinds of oppression, particularly religious, legalistic oppression. And finally, 
Um, I have had angelic encounters uh, since a year after this word was given. So this word was given 91. 92 was when I had my first angelic encounter. And because it's in my word, I will give angels charge concerning you. Everything in that word has come to me so many times over. And you know what? I'm still studying that word 22 years later. This passage has caused me to specifically overcome when all the odds were against me. To the point where I can go into a room where I know every single person in the room. I I did this a couple of years back. I was doing a... um, a debate with a couple of, with 400 pastors in a place not a million miles away from here. And it was pretty bitter and vitriolic because they were defending what they were doing in terms of the old man. And so I was there saying, this is what the new man is. And so we had like, <clears throat> I did a couple of presentations and then it's like the wolves were let off the leash. And we had two hours of really bitter, vitriolic debate (laughs) in which I think I was called a heretic more in that two hours than I had in the previous 20 years. It was bitter, and but you know, there were only 400 of them. One person walking with God is always in the majority. There were just 400 of them. No big deal. And so I didn't survive that whole encounter. I prospered in it. Because here's the thing about warfare. You know, the perceived wisdom is if you're going through hell, move quickly. Right? And that's true until you come up against Jesus. He was the only one who went into hell and came out with more than he went in with. He went in with everybody's sin and he came out leading captivity captive. Yeah? So in Christ, you get to learn how to prosper when every situation is against you. <coughs> and I remember starting to study this, and I was, I, was doing, I was trying to be good. You know, when he first said, I want you to read this for four months and don't read anything else. So after two months of study, you know, just one morning, I was desperate for a bit of Timothy. Now, I really like Tim in the Bible. You know, I thought I was a young guy. Then I thought, well, you know, I've got so many things I share with Tim. So, uh, so I kept my finger in Psalm 91 and I flicked over to Timothy. And I, I don't even get through the first verse and my eyes go out of focus. And I hear the Lord say audibly, son, what did I say to you? I'm going, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I was desperate for a bit of Timothy. He said, Graham, don't think you can make me laugh and get away with this. I'm thinking, it has worked a few times before. And he said these words to me, Graham, listen. For where I want to take you, I need you to be the living embodiment of this word. Listen, son, I want to put you on some battlefields. I want to put you up against some principalities. And I want to put you on that place and know that you're going to serve me and not be fearful, that you're going to be joyous in battle. And for where I want to take you, I need you to be living in this passage. 
I need you to become Psalm 91. It is my inheritance word for you. That was 91. And then in 1998, he gave me these passages from, he gave me Numbers chapters 13 and 14. And it's the story of Caleb. Remember, we are all part of a story and we're all on a specific journey in the Lord. And so the principle is this. Whenever you have a scripture with someone's name in it, that means you can have the same experiences, encounters, promises, blessings, and favor that they had with the Lord. So I began reading, I was gripped by Numbers chapters 13 and 14. I don't want to read the whole thing to you, but especially Caleb's confession when he came back from spying, that we should by all means go up and take possession, for we will shall surely overcome it. And I began to understand <clears throat> about a mindset rooted in majesty. And so I was transfixed by that whole thing. And my journey since then has become about learning to be a warrior, learning to be victorious, learning to be an overcomer, learning to be more than a conqueror, learning how to be moved from being a good soldier of Jesus to becoming a warrior that can take territory, learning how to become a warrior and then become one of the mighty men like David had that could actually take a nation. So <clears throat> for me... Here are some specifics about Caleb. He was a man of intimate connection with God. He was a man who understood majesty. He was a man prepared to stand up for what he believed, even in the face of opposition. He was a man who believed that everything was possible. He was a man of no fear who believed that the enemy had no protection from God. And he's one of only two men over the age of 20 to inherit God's promise about Canaan. Becoming a man of a different spirit has been my journey since I first received this word in 1998. It has shaped my understanding and experience of warfare, away from just fighting battles to the importance of becoming a spiritual warrior. So I wrote three books out of this identity, out of this inheritance work. And the series is called The Way of the Warrior. 